Is ale free? Ale is not free. free. Nothing is free in this life. An important lesson indeed. There's lots to learn from playing tabletop games, and that's what Episode 7 of Behold Her is all about. This podcast shines a light on women in the world of tabletop RPGs, but this episode, we're turning a focus on young women and girls. This is the Kids in D&D episode. We'll chat with Sammy and Birdie, the daughters of the D&D and Daughters podcast. Then we'll hear from the Lake Washington Girls Middle School Dungeons and Dragons class and club and be a fly on the wall of one of their D&D sessions. But first, here's an interview with Dr. Megan Connell, a psychologist who uses Dungeons and Dragons as part of her practice to empower girls. You might also know her as the Dungeon Master for Clinical Role, creator and host of Psychology at the Table, and co-founder of Geeks Like Us. All right, I am here with Dr. Megan Connell of Clinical Role, Geeks Like Us, and a number of other things. Dr. Connell, tell me, how did you get into gaming, tabletop RPGs, and specifically Dungeons & Dragons? So I first started playing D&D back in, I think, probably around 1993 when I was in middle school. Uh, One of my friends, uh, I don't know what edition we were playing, they had one book, I think, and we would just spend time at lunch uh, making characters. I think really the bulk of our D&D play was making characters and making up spells. And we would uh, sit around her kitchen table some weekends and try to do a dungeon crawl, but usually we'd get about two hours in and then have to decide that we wanted new characters. So (laughs) it was really about role-playing characters and just creating fun characters for us. And so that was how I got into it originally. And then I uh, fell away from the hobby and then Seeing Will Wheaton's uh, The Ashes of Alcala really re-sparked my love for role-playing games. Then I started watching Critical Role, and I was got back into playing at home with the starter set and haven't looked back since. That's so cool. Was your group of friends, was it mostly other young women or guys as well? I guess what I'm getting at is, is in 1993, was it unusual to be a girl playing Dungeons & Dragons? Not in... the school I went to. So I went to a very, very small school. Um, I, I like many other geeks out there, struggled with bullying in my past and uh, was bullied so badly. Uh, my parents actually ended up taking me out of the public school I was in and put me into a very small private school. And so we were all very supportive of one another. And it, it was an interesting time because we just accepted one another. And so it wasn't a big deal if you were a boy or a girl into different things. There wasn't any of that kind of gatekeeping. Um, we also just lived kind of in the middle of nowhere in Maine. So we didn't have any interactions like with big cons or anything like that. Like I said, I, I think we might have been playing 3-5. I don't know. Um, we just sat around and played. So it didn't really matter that this was supposed to be a guy thing or a girl thing. It was just a thing. That's very much the spirit of the game now. Like, it doesn't super matter. Just sit around and play. Yeah, it's just like, whatever. Okay. You know, I even love the idea of just rolling up random dungeons. Um, I recently was running some tables for a local con that we do here where we focus on celebrating the spectrum called AspieCon. And I had dungeon tiles from one of the D&D board games And so I was just shuffling the tiles and randomly laying them down and building this dungeon and kind of just flipping through and uh, rolling up random encounters from uh, Xanathars for what monsters they were encountering in the dungeon. It was a lot of fun. I just listening to you talk and also hearing about what interested you in the game when you started, it seems like you maybe were always a dungeon master at heart. But I'm wondering what made you take that first step behind the screen? Well, there were a few things that happened. So actually with um, my family, I ran us through um, the starter adventure for Fantasy Age at home. Um, And then 
we decided to move from Fantasy Age into D&D, but I didn't feel like I had enough time to learn the rules. And I was put a lot of expectations that I had to know everything before I could Dungeon Master. Um, I really wanted to, but I just didn't feel like I had the time to put into it. And then I actually started watching uh, Matt Colville's Running the Game series. And his very first video I watched, I was like, oh, wait, I can do this. And so that really inspired me to step back behind the screen and start DMing. I love having a good balance of playing and DMing. Um, I think it's important that if you're doing one, you should do the other as well. But doing both is the ideal. I love doing that. How did it come about then, uh, your sort of mingling together psychology and Dungeons & Dragons? So for me, when I was playing the game, I had played one character in our home game. And then we started, my husband and I started playing a Sunday game. And so I had a different character for the Sunday game. And being a psychologist, one day I just decided to sit down and go, okay, my brain created both of these characters. They have to have something in common. And so I sat down and really started brainstorming and going, what do these two characters have in common? And when I got to that... I had this kind of big, almost emotional gut punch moment of like, oh, wow, here's a central issue that I need to work on. Here's something that's going on in my life that I need to address. And so that really helped open my eyes to work on things. And then my therapist mind, of course, kicked in going, how do I use this for my clients? How can I bring this kind of revelation where you can get at your issues, you know, basically coming at it sideways and really open up and understand some really central things for yourself and make that a clinical thing? And then uh, it just happened, I think, a week or two later on Dragon Talk, uh, Dr. B from uh, Take This was on Dragon Talk and doing an interview and talking about his social skills groups. And so finding out that other people in the country were doing this really motivated me to try. And then I started at the practice I'm at now, which is uh, Southeast Psych in Charlotte, North Carolina. And one of the things that they're really big on here is innovation and trying new things. And so when I went and proposed this group, they were super excited about it, got behind it, have been really supportive of me. And uh, so I actually talked with Dr. B and got some co- consultation help from him and got my two groups going. That's amazing. And that's like really what I found so fascinating that I wanted to chat with you about. So you have two groups, um, social skills and also self-rescuing princesses. Can you tell me a little bit about those two groups in general and how they differ? Sure. So the social skills group is focused uh, mostly on helping kids who are on the autism spectrum, uh, either um, you know high functioning Aspergers um, or um, also kids with severe ADHD impulse. Uh, problems and some kids with social anxiety. And it's about using the game to help them understand different social situations. So putting challenges in front of them and having them creatively think about them and have to problem solve around, you know, uh, how do we talk this person out of trying to attack this thing? Or how do we get these giants to leave this town alone and go back to where they came from without starting another war? And so we're really using that group to help kids understand different social situations through the game. Now, the Self-Rescuing Princess is, I think, the only group of its kind in the country right now uh, where I'm using Dungeons and Dragons as a tool to help girls feel empowered in their lives, where they are using this game as a way to learn how to work together and to be supportive of one another, um, but then also to stand up for themselves, uh, to be able to say no to things that they don't want to do, to be able to feel like they have, you know, that they are the masters of their own destiny. And so that's been a lot of fun. And it's really exciting to see that group uh, grow and to see the girls in it um, 
adapt and change and learn from their experiences in there. Um, What sort of planning goes into putting together a session for self-rescuing princesses? For that one, it's I have an overall plot theme that we're doing, which is uh, we're doing a Rise of Tiamat uh, type plan. I'm not following the module outside of the cult of Tiamat's trying to get her to come back to the prime material. Um, But so I know that we're doing like a dragon theme. I wanted to make sure that in this group, we're hitting things that they would expect and that they would want. And so, you know, when you're doing a fantasy game, you want to go fight dragons, you know, that that's it's in the title of the game. It's something that we want to do. So I wanted to make sure that that was something in there. And also dragons are a part of fantasy mythology that most people are familiar with. Um, so it's not something like beholders or even like gnolls or something where unless you're in D&D, you don't really know much of the lore around something like that. And so I tried to make sure that it's every adventure is accessible to people who are not familiar with the worlds of D&D and then trying to figure out like, OK, how can I weave in something that I want them to do. Um, And it doesn't have to be overly complicated. It can just be, I want them to learn to work together. I want them to learn to rely on one another's skills. Or it can be things like, I want them to feel empowered to say no, or to learn how to be polite, but not be a pushover. And so how can I set up some social encounters for that? And this, so two sessions ago now, I actually set up an encounter where we had uh, one of my fellow therapists came in and played a character with them. And so we did the sort of princess was captured by a dragon uh, routine where a chromatic dragon had enthralled this uh, noble young woman to come and live with him while he was in human form. And she was basically trapped in that relationship. And the girls had to meet her and then work on getting her out of that relationship. And so it was a really cool RPing session. She did not make it easy on them. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but it felt very real. And at the end of it, when we were talking about it, a lot of the girls started saying, like, I understand how she got stuck in this relationship. I could see how I could get stuck in a relationship like that. And I, I think I see some of the things that someone might use to try to pull me in or pull a friend into something like that. Oh, that's amazing. So as you were starting the group, what was the receptiveness like from the girls involved? And were there any conscious choices you made in how you introduced the game to them? They were very um, excited about it. You know, most of the girl, it was really selling it to the parents. That was the harder thing and convincing them that this was a worthwhile thing to do. You know, this was a good game for them. And since once we got through the initial round of the group, it's been very easy to show people why this is such a good thing and how it helps so much. Um, in the first group that we did, I had one girl who was a very big time people pleaser. She loved making people feel good. And so saying yes um, to things that she didn't really want to do, like she ended up being a chauffeur often for her friends and things. And she just didn't like it. And so Uh, One day she was asked to do something by one of her friends that she didn't really want to do. And she told me after a group, she's like, I felt myself about to say yes. And then I thought about my D&D character and I knew that there was no way that this character would do what do this thing. And, And it wasn't like anything bad. It was, you know, drive me someplace or something like that. She's like, so I said no. And it felt great. And that was, you know, when I knew I was like, okay, this is working. This is helping people. And one of the things I've also told the girls when they're creating their character is 
I want them to create a character that is strong in some place that they personally feel weak or has a skill set that they would really like to have. And so in the RPA moments, they're challenged to go outside of their comfort zone a little bit in that way. Oh, that's that's really cool. Uh, do you have any do any other stories come to mind where you feel like the girls surprised you in some way or you just felt like, no, this is definitely um, this is definitely working. This is definitely making an impact. Yeah, actually, I so I had a early on adventure for them where they had to go to a wizard's tower, get to the top of the tower and basically parlay with this wizard for this uh, group of uh, forest gnomes that they were staying with. And I took a note out of Ivan Van Norman's uh, book and I made the wizard tower uh, a game of shoots and ladders, which is a wonderful way to frustrate the heck out of your players when they walk into a room and there's 10 buttons and they have to push them and sometimes they get a ladder and sometimes they fall down to level one. <laughs> That sounds so fun. <laughs> it was a blast to do. And so by the time they got to the top, they were both extraordinarily frustrated. And one of the girls was someone who really did not like being argumentative, who even when she was angry, she often would just apologize and say, no, it's my fault, even though somebody else could have been being mean. And I had the wizard at the top, you know, just be not the nicest person. <laughs> and he was quite rude to them. And she got up there and her character was just angry and just got she actually stood up and got into my face as a dm and was pointing at me and be like you need to stop doing all this stuff and just kind of went up one side of him and down the other and it was great because you know at the end of it i kind of stopped and i paused the game and i was like hey you just you were unpleasing right now that nothing you said would have been pleasing to this guy you stood up for yourself how how was that and she kind of stepped back and looked she's like that felt amazing <laughs> And she's like, well, you know, I know it's just a game and it doesn't have any real life consequences. It's like, yeah, but you just practiced it. And like, yeah, this guy doesn't like you. Like, he's never going to do a favor for you. But you just really stepped it up. And so it it was a really interesting moment where she got to authentically express how she was feeling to somebody when she was upset about it. And even though like that, like I said, that guy is not going to be her friend ever. It didn't turn out poorly. Good for her. I'm so happy for her right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and some of the things, too, that I, I, a secondary goal I've had with the self-rescuing princess is I want to create more female players and more female GMs. And so a couple of the girls have started running games. Um, I know one of them really wants to start a club at her school. And so that's something that we're going to try to work on uh, maybe over the summer. And, and so it's getting, you know, I want... I want uh, for every one of these girls to be able to go to their local game store, to go to a gaming convention, sit down at a table and just know how to play. And if anybody tries to question how they play, just to be able to go, no, I got this. I know how I know how a ranger works. I know how the rogue works. You don't need to tell me how to play. They are self-rescuing princesses in real life. Yes. <laughs> that is so cool. So were there any challenges in setting up these groups or getting people on board and um, do you have any tips if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to uh, try to create a group like this? What tips would you have for them? It is hard to get any group off the ground. Um, the first year or so that you're going to be doing a group like this, it's going to be hard sometimes to get attendance. You have to do a lot of you know, showing people that this is going to be helpful. Here are the things that you can do. This is why it's good. Um, you know, and it is a risk. And to be willing to really think about like, 
how to translate what happens in the game into the real world, how to take that and go, okay, here's this thing and here's this skill and here's how they used it. And then to pay attention to the stories that you get, to be able to talk back to the parents and say, this is why this is helpful. If you know, you're not as trained as a therapist, don't try to do a therapy group. Um, that's not going to be appropriate. But if you are a psychologist and you also play Dungeons and Dragons, message me on Twitter because I'm trying to collect all of us together to create awesomeness and work together in this. Because I think that's one of the biggest things is don't do this alone. Like I said, I reached out to Dr. B out in Seattle. Um, also, Adam and Adam of game to grow I've talked with them. I'm getting to know the people at the Bodega Group. And so talking with others who are doing this and networking with them and just being able to bounce ideas off of them. Or if you have a rough session, being able to just to message them and go, oh my gosh, this was hard. You know, to have that supportive community around you. There's no reason to do something like this by yourself. Somehow reminding me that I read on uh, Twitter that you're actually starting a game with your family. Yes, uh, we. So my family played through the Lost Minds of Fandelver. Uh, we loved that and we did it. And then we wanted to play another game together. And we've tried a couple of them and they haven't worked. And my husband was DMing, but uh, he is the hero of our family because he is a stay-at-home dad and we have four kids. And so... Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a job. <laughs> it is a huge job. So uh, for him to DM at home was just a little bit too much. So I decided to step up and start uh, DMing at home as well. And it's it's fun. We're doing uh, Storm King's Thunder, which is a game I ran actually f uh, the first few adventures for for the social skills group, because that one's a great social game as well. And so it, I know that one. And so I started running that for my family. I guess not, obviously not from like a, a therapy group standpoint, but I just feel like just playing D&D &D, uh, for kids can just naturally bring up so much that they like learning to work through situations. Do you have any tips for people trying to start a family game? Yeah, it's, just start. You know, start playing. Um, also, though, be willing to take pauses. Uh, one of the things that I learned from the guys at Game to Grow was to use the DM screen as a prop. When it's up, you are the dungeon master. When it's down, we're talking about the process of what's going on the in the game. The game is on pause. So what we say doesn't have an impact on play. It's more we're processing it out. And with your kids, especially younger ones who are starting to learn the game, be willing to rewind things. If they deliver some news very poorly, like uh, going up to a character and be like, oh, hey, I was looking for you. Your sister's dead. Can I have your sword? <laughs> Yeah, that's not going to work very well. So be willing to pause the game and to talk about that and to teach those empathy moments. Um, you know, and one thing that kids have a struggle with is they tend to treat D&D &D as though it were a, uh, a video game, right? And so like it's something like Skyrim, the NPCs will wait forever. And then if you pay your fine, they forgive you for pretty much any crime that you've ever done. That's not going to be the case in D&D. And to point that out and to say, like, look, these play these characters that you interact with have lives, they have desires, they have things that they want to do. And so if you do this, this is what's going to happen. You know, so to just kind of give them that framework of it's this is a little different. Um, and usually kids will pick up on this stuff pretty quickly. Like you, if you do the starter box with your family, which I highly recommend, I think that's the number one uh module out there for low level adventure. It's great. It offers a lot of really interesting RP moments where you can start to understand the consequences of things. And it's just a very easy adventure to run and then a great adventure to jump into other ones. So that is a super fun adventure uh, for 
adults or kids, I guess, learning D&D. It has a lot of learning moments in it, which uh, reminds me, you also have a lot of uh, amazing advice and information on your YouTube channel, Geeks Like Us. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, how that got founded, um, its mission, and what sort of videos people can find there? Certainly. So Geeks Like Us is a community-based uh, company where we're wanting to unite people who have similar passions and interests. We want to bring in also more of an academic side of uh, geek culture. Um, so this was uh, myself, my colleague, Ryan Kelly, and then our other friend, uh, Dr. John Anslow, are all the co-founders of Geeks Like Us. And so we're wanting it to be this place where we could talk about our passions. We can be unapologetically enthusiastic about the things that we love and to bring people together to do cool things. Dr. Kelly is really big into pushing research. And so one of the things he wants to do is to find ways to bring people together to talk about geek research and to get more people studying D&D, uh, using comic books and therapy, using Pokemon or training games, uh, different things and how to you know, understand the those from an academic perspective and to be talking about, you know, just what we're passionate about and how we can use what we're passionate about to make the world more awesome and a better place. And so to that end, one of the series I've created is Psych at the Table, which is my series where I talk about how game masters can help players who are having struggles. So this isn't to turn game masters into therapists. It's more to give them guidance of like, hey, if you have a player who's depressed, here's some stuff you might see. Here's some things that they might be struggling with. And here's some things that you can do to help. You know, here's how you can help your player. If you see somebody who's getting incredibly anxious, here are some simple things you can do to help them out. And so my hope is that it gives Dungeon Masters another resource that they can use to help their friends and help their players. Because uh, I just was seeing in, in the Reddit too often uh, all these you know co posts of, gosh, my player's going through this and I don't know what to do. And so the, that was my hope was to give an answer to those questions of here's some things that you can do to help your players. Gosh, it's just uh, you do so much to sort of grow our hobby in some amazing ways and then also uh, make the community that we already have uh, better and more, I guess, empathetic to each other. D&D, &D, you know, it's born really from a big geeky culture, right? And most of us have that experience of being bullied, of being told we're not good enough, we can't come. And I, I don't want us to be a culture of gatekeepers either. I want it to be welcoming. I want everybody to feel like they can have a space at a table. You know, not every table is right for everybody. We have to find the right group for us and the right game for us. But there's no reason we can't all come together and support one another and just have fun. I totally agree. The party is stronger when we're together. Yes. Uh, so as we wind down, uh, was there anything that I didn't ask you about that you that was really important to you that you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, I would just like to mention the game I stream, which is Clinical Role. Uh, so this is where I'm DMing the other uh, therapists out there that are using D&D therapeutically. So I... I mentioned uh, Dr. B from Take This and Adam and Adam from Game to Grow. Also, my colleague Ryan Kelly are all players, along with uh, Janina Scarlett, who uh, she doesn't use D&D as therapy necessarily. She's just a humongous geek therapist. And this is a place where we play D&D together uh, a couple times a month. But my goal with Clinical Role was to create a game where people who are doing this get to play. Uh, psychologists are notoriously terrible at self-care. And so I wanted to make sure that everybody who was DMing therapeutically was also getting a chance just to play. And so we have kind of a, a 
guest spot. Uh, it's been uh, Joe Lastly, who's a graduate student who's been doing some awesome research on role playing games, uh, has been joining us as a guest, but his time's almost up. And then it's going to be somebody else coming in. And so my hope is anybody who's using D&D therapeutically to get a chance to come and play with, with us, you know, not just for one game, but for a few so that we can get to know you through playing. Because honestly, when you sit down and play with people, that's how you get to know them the best, I think. Uh, totally. Do you feel like does the game have a different sort of feel because of that sort of perspective that you all share on the game? I don't think so right now. Um, it's really a chance for us just to play for fun. And so it it is just a you know it's actually a lot of murder hoboing recently of just like you know, we've had a lot of kind of things where I'm trying to you know do some really deep world development stuff and my players have been a little like I just want where's the rails let's get back on the story <laughs> <laughs> and I can completely understand because we're all busy and tapped out and it's fun to go and kill some monsters. Uh, but it's also fun to have some role-playing things, and so we're trying to work a little bit more of that in there. It, I try to make it very clear in a disclaimer for clinical role is it's not a therapy show. It's really us having fun playing regular D&D. We're not... We don't have any deep like, okay, now we're going to show how childhood trauma plays out in the real world. It's, no, it's just... Just people sitting around and telling a story and being adventures together and face palming a lot. <laughs> you guys deserve to, to stab some stuff sometimes, too. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it could just feel good. Um, so if people uh, are just really interested in learning more about uh, your groups and geeks like us and a clinical role and all the different things that you do, uh, how can uh, they find you on the internet? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Megan Seide. It's M-E-G-A-N-P-S-Y-D. Uh, also, geekslikeus.com, our YouTube channel and our Twitch channel for Geeks Like Us. The E's and Geeks are threes. Uh, so that's how you can find us on Twitch and YouTube. Awesome, Megan. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I'm so excited to share this with everybody. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It was such an honor to be here. D&D and Daughters is a D&D 5th edition live play podcast starring Kurt and his twin daughters, Sammy and Birdie. The girls are charming, hilarious, wonderful ambassadors of the game and how it can be enjoyed with the whole family. I am here chatting with the lovely twins of Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Sam and Birdie. I'm so excited to chat with you two for Behold Her. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so to start us off, tell me a little bit about how you got started playing Dungeons and Dragons. What made you want to play? Did your dad have to twist your arm? Tell me all about it. Okay, uh, actually, my dad had to twist my leg, but <laughs> so he introduced us a game where, like, wizards, magic, um, sorcerers, and every, like, D&D, and we, he called it the story game. Then he introduced us to the real name, Dungeons and Dragons. Exactly like that. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. We actually designed a character and actually played. Um, yeah, so tell me about those first characters and what they were like and what they did and their names. My person is Mimi, who I play on the show. And she is a elf druid. And she uses... And she loves turning into bears and summoning ducks. And she loves animals. And she loves turning ginger. 
Oh, and she hates, hates, hates goblins. They killed her, her parents. Oh, no. Terrible goblins. Yes. Yeah, so I hate them. <laughs> and she uses a lot of spells. And when I, I never use her weapons because whenever I do, I fail. <laughs> I naturally fail. Same, because I'm a wizard. But I'm better. Ah! <laughs> Tell me about your wizard. Well, her name is Galaxy. Not to brag, but she's the best character ever. What sort of spells does Galaxy like casting? Major. <laughs> I thought you also like punching. Oh, yeah. I defeated a zombie with just one punch. I'm really good at punching. A wizard who's good at punching. That's amazing. Yes. I know. It's the best thing ever. Do you have a favorite moment so far in the game you've been playing on the podcast? Actually, yes. Um, My favorite part, well, there's a lot of them to choose from, but I think my favorite part is either when I got Tiny Ginger or when we were in that old mansion and I I turned into a bunny, but I didn't have enough power to turn back into a human. And so I was a bunny and... My other favorite part is one day went up the upscale um, escalator. That was oh, and the chips and salsa. Chips and salsa. How did those end up in the game? So that day, I went. I had a sleepover with my best friend. We put on makeup and stuff. So and then afterwards, I played a game of Dungeons and Dragons. I wanted some chips and chips. As but she said, sure. I asked for some salsa. She didn't have any salsa. I started laughing so hard. Okay, moving on. Do you girls know how how long have you been playing D&D slash the story game? For about two years now. You've basically, I'm pretty new to Dungeons and Dragons, so you've been playing D&D almost as much as I have. I've been playing for three years now. I'm a pro. pro. Yeah, you're pros. And I feel like, for me, at least, when I started playing D&D, I was really new to the game, still figuring out what exactly I could do with my character. And I feel like I've changed a lot. Yeah. So my question for you is, I mean, do you girls feel that way? How would you say you've changed as players over these two years? Yes, my rolling skills have become greater. My voice has changed. <laughs> My um, teeth look and, different. And I think I, since I've gotten older, I've been able to understand more of the basics of Dungeons and Dragons. So I'm able to not have uh, anyone help me. I can just do it. Very cool. Can you give me an example of something you might have done when you were first learning the game versus how you would handle it now? I ask, where is this? Where is Arcana? Wait, wait, wait. What's a javelin? Like, I ask questions like that, and now I'm like, a javelin is a weapon. Arcana is a roll thingy, but jiggy. <laughs> You're exactly right. It is a roll thingy, but jiggy. <laughs> Give me a definition of Arcana, a roll thingy, but jiggy. Wonderful name. I'm also curious, as you've been playing the game for two years, have you ever had something happen in your real life, like at school or at home or with friends, that reminded you of the game and you feel like 
you did something differently in real life or you knew how to solve a problem because of what you've done in Dungeons and Dragons? Yes! Oh, that's a resounding yes. Tell me more about that. <laughs> I was reading my favorite book and they it said nerdy people playing Dungeons and Dragons. Nerdy people. So that means I'm a nerd. I'm my dad's a dork. <laughs> Oh, I also had that happen in a book. I it wasn't my favorite, but I was reading a book, and they're saying and like it blah 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 is over uh, by that side of the lunchroom, and the nerdy, dorky Dungeons and Dragons players, whatever they're called, what that's that? what they said in what the book. book How did you feel about that? That the Dungeons and Dragons players were categorized that way. I'm a nerd. I'm a dork, yes. so it's normal. <laughs> Yeah, and proud. (laughs) So this episode is all about kids playing D&D. So I talked to um, a grown-up who uses D&D to help girls learn how to deal with just problems that come up growing up. And I also talked to another group of girls who get to play D&D at school, which is really cool. What? Yeah. They have a D&D class and a D&D after-school club. I want to go to that school. <laughs> Bye. I'm going there. Yes. So I'm wondering, I feel like more and more people feel like D&D can be helpful and awesome for kids. And I'm wondering, as kids yourself, how you feel about that. What lessons do you think people can learn from the game? I think that important lesson off the top of my head would be D and D. It's not about like planning everything and going by the rules. You can really do things, whatever, and you can. It's. I think the an important lesson is to do things your own way. Be unique. Do your own things. Have fun. Yeah. So I am told that at least one of you has also started dungeon mastering. Is that true? <laughs> That would be me. <laughs> what prompted you to want to try that? It was like a month of black <laughs> girl top table top table. Thing. I like it. And table. as a celebration, we decided that I would be the dungeon master. And it's a two episode adventure. Woo. Were you nervous going into it? How did you prepare? I used Google Docs, and I, yeah, that's all, Google Docs. And you had help from me. No, I didn't. I actually dungeon mastered, but I only did it for like 10 minutes. Oh, yeah, I dungeon mastered for 10 minutes. Oh, and I had the help of my father. I don't want to spoil too much, I guess, about the episode, but can you tell me a little bit about, like, did you come up with a lot of story? Did you have just a few notes and you let people react and you adjusted on the fly? How would you describe your Dungeon Master style? Well, I really like mysteries and surprises. So my adventure was a mystery. Would you Dungeon Master again? And was there anything you learned while you were doing it for those episodes that you think will make you a stronger Dungeon Master next time? Well, I would Dungeon Master again, and I have done it after those episodes. I have Dungeon Mastered more. And um, from those two episodes that I did on 
here um i learned that don't write like a full story out just write a little bit and then have the characters decide that's cool what other advice would you have for younger people getting into the game especially either as players or as dungeon masters since you have that experience too i think what they should they should start like reading like maybe some of the books to see like what the concepts are and like how you like what are some of the things you do in D&D and then I'd suggest you start getting started or you have someone like my dad who knows already about a lot about D&D and that can help you or listen to other podcasts about D&D what about any other advice for kids who've played D&D, but they're used to having an adult dungeon master for them, um, or they want a dungeon master for their friends? What other advice would you give them? I'd suggest you start out easy, like for adventures, don't go really bold yet. And that, and you have to get your friends interested or family and once you do that then you can start getting more bolder and bolder and bolder till you explode oh well uh behold her podcast does not endorse people exploding (laughs) (laughs) so please don't do that so you had you just said that like one step of becoming a dungeon master is you need to get your family or your friends on board so if you were just trying to get someone who's never played D&D or any story type game before to try the game, how would you how would you pitch it to them? I would pitch it like this is a fairy tale fun fantasy fighting fantasy what she said but I totally said magical fun <laughs> game that you can t- make up all the rules or you can Go by the rules, whatever. Or it's a fun game of kicking butts. Yes, a fun game of kicking butts. That's the best description of D&D I've ever heard. So usually at the end of an interview, as we wind down, I also ask, was there anything that I didn't ask you about that you girls would love for the women and just anybody listening to behold her podcast, what would you like to say to them? If you ever just sit down and listen to other people playing, just bring out your dice, just stack them and play with them. Um, That's what I do. Okay. <laughs> um, my suggestion would to be to remember it's all about having fun. If you don't have fun, quit it. You're done. Stop. You're not having fun. So, yeah. Awesome. I feel like you girls had such amazing advice for people. And I loved hearing about what you've learned dungeon mastering. I think that's really cool. I just, I felt like it was a lot of work summoning the courage to do it at like 29. So, I'm so impressed with you. Oh, it's nothing. We did when we were seven. We're not, we're. Not that we're re- not we're not really that yet. Okay, we're pretty young. I still cry so much. What would you What would you say your lives would be like without D and D? Um, it'd be tragic. <laughs> no fantasy. Life would be a lot sadder without fantasy. I'm glad we have it. Well, 
Girls, you were awesome. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Oh, you are awesome. (laughs) It was a treat. A treat. (laughs) If people want to listen to Dungeons & Dragons Daughters or find out more about what you all are doing with upcoming episodes, where can they find you? YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Yes. Instagram. Um, Yeah, we're on Instagram too. The internet. The the internet. (laughs) So so our main website is DungeonsDragonsDaughters.com. You can find us on Twitter at Daughter Dungeon. You can find us on Instagram at that same handle. You can find us on Facebook at that same handle. Twitter is probably the social space that I'm the most active in. I'm, I'm the one that's managing all of that. Every now and again, I I give Twitter Twitter control over to the girls for a weekend. We've only done it once. Well, well, can I, I do it? Can I do it this weekend? No, th- no, no. You did it first last time, so no. I get to do it. First. We'll do it. I'll let you take over at some point in time. Um, but and when I did do that, we had some great success with it, and and I've come to the conclusion we that got, I like- suck at social media. Because the girls had gotten us like 50 more followers in the span of 24 hours with all the posts that they were doing. And I don't think I've ever managed to boost like that in, in that short a period of time. So No, all you have to do is ask crazy questions like, would you rather have waffles or French toast? Yeah, see, that's my problem. It's like I, I, I like to keep all the questions and the things I post relevant to our show and to Dungeons and Dragons. That's yeah, so completely my fault. And, and say, oh, yeah. And Sam also mentioned, yes, we're also on, on YouTube as well. So we do uh, video recordings of all of our episodes as well. Um, I've, I find it interesting that uh, folks uh, over, I think, in their 20s and older had the tendency to listen to us on pod on the podcast. But folks that are younger than that, uh, they seem to be all about watching us on, on YouTube. Oh, my goodness. It was just such a delight chatting with all of you Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters find it on the internet Sammy and Birdie were definitely the stars of this interview but our chat wouldn't have been complete without some final words from their dad Kurt I I do have to say that their behavior does change a bit when we play and we have their friends playing with us rather than typically it's an adult friend of mine that we have that's sitting down at the table Mm -hmm. so they, they typically take on a little bit more of an antagonistic play style with the other adult at the table but when we have other kids around their age that are playing they seem to be much more uh cooperative and uh, I, I was surprised and pleasantly surprised to find out that they also had the tendency to take uh more of a leadership and guiding position with the other kids because there's not many other kids that they encounter these days that have as much experience playing the game as them so it's it's really gratifying to see them guide the other the other players and list out options and tell them the certain things that they can try and do and and the kind of characters that they can make so it's been a i'm glad you see what we want you to see like what we did with that that. makes me feel great as a parent (laughs) (laughs) you you girls sound like great ambassadors for the game Last year, I had the great honor of visiting Mr. E's D&D class and club at the Lake Washington Girls Middle School in Seattle, Washington. We are all going to introduce ourselves, and we are all starting off at level zero players at Lake Washington Girls Middle School. I am Sid, and my character's name is Flamdeska Hiltopple. My character is a lightfoot halfling, a level zero player who has a background in cobbling. I hope my character will one day be a bard. My name is Elsa. I play Princess Lindsay Hilltopple. She is a lightfoot halfling, and originally she was a glassblower. I'm Ella, and my character is Rio, a dwarf. She's a level zero miner who hopes to one day be a fighter. 
Hi, my name is Clara. My character is a moon elf named Aelin. She is a villager woodcarver, but she one day hopes to be a wizard, druid, or ranger. My name is Kohana, and I play Bryn Moonbrook. She is a high elf who is a cartographer now and is interested in becoming a fighter. My name is Makiei, and I play a wood elf named Bree. Her background is in hunting apprentice, but she is interested in being a ranger. Those were the students in Mr. E's class, which at the time of recording had just started. Sitting in on the class and watching them play with their level zero characters, the girls were enthusiastic, creative, but definitely new to the possibilities of what Dungeons and Dragons could be. In contrast, here's the D&D club, the OG Lake Washington adventurers, who'd graduated from level zero to the esteemed level one. See if you can tell how their character introductions have morphed and grown in a short time. I'm Northern Bauer, and between eating rocks, I'm going to be asking you guys some questions. Let's start with Keithry. Keithry, will you tell me about yourself? Yes, my name is Keithry. I am a level one halfling and an arcade trickster. I'm very cautious around new people because some guy named Othello came in and made short jokes about me, which was very rude on his part. And I have a very violent reaction to everything. I also used to be a pirate, so that was fun. That's really cool, Keithree. Let's go next to Araya. Araya, will you please tell me about yourself? I'm Araya. Um, I was originally Dwarven royalty, and on the way to our second castle home, our carriage was ambushed by some barbarians, and I ended up fleeing to this little village um, and I lost my entire family so now I want to see if I can find them again so yeah that's very interesting very light spirited spirited backstory this is the happiest I've I'm trying to be very perky for this podcast if you can tell Yay! More so than usual. I can definitely tell you're much more happy than usual okay Juno your turn tell me about yourself well, I'm Juno, and my I'm a level one ranger, and well, my father was a hunter, so I guess that makes me an apprentice hunter, and um, as you can tell, I'm elven, and um, when I was 12, um, my village was under attack. Uh, thankfully, no one was seriously injured, but... Um, this, this was the first time in, like, years and decades that it ever happened. So, in case of, like, another attack, everyone 13 and older learned how to fight, um, hunt, heal, etc. And I was 12, so I couldn't go. But my mom and dad told me that I should learn all of these things to protect my five-year-old sister, Octavia. And my dad, being a hunter, taught me everything he knew. And my mom, being the town's healer, taught me everything she knew. And by the time I was 13, I didn't need those lessons anymore. And, well, when my sister got, when my sister was six, I taught her just like a smidge of what I knew. And then, the same people attacked again, but they were different, and they killed many of the townspeople, including 
my mom and dad and really injured my sister. So I had to carry her out of village, out of the village. And I, my mom, before she, well, you know, she uh, gave me five golden coins and told me to take my sister and leave. So I took her and walked and walked and walked for days, maybe weeks. I don't remember exactly. And then I came upon this village and sadly, halfway, Octavia passed. That's a very touching story. <laughs> it is, it really is. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ralph, why don't you tell me us about yourself? Um, so, my character name is Ontira Vangorn. I am a druid, I'm a wood elf. I am neutral neutral, but I do believe in dirt. No one will be able to demolish dirt. Dirt is everywhere. It's beautiful. Okay. I used to live in a faraway place that you will never see, named Alvanta. And this place used to be the home of a brilliant wizard, Vontarine. He had the power of illusions, but soon, instead of him controlling the illusions, the illusions controlled him, and he turned evil. The forest that was once Alvanta turned mystical, but not in a beautiful way, you went down there, you would never come back. You would think you saw the forest and the mountain off in a distance, but really, it would never be there. It was just an illusion. Now, all the elves that had lived there in the past, they, they had to escape. So they, being so powerful, built a ginormous mountain. We call the mountain moon, because in the night, it glows like the moon. And I lived there with my mother, Davir, and my, and my father, and my mother was a jeweler. And one day I was watching her work and I accidentally broke a stone and I was so afraid that she was going to hate me forever. But no, she didn't. And in fact, she turned it into a lesson, sadly. And it was this stone, this stone was perfectly clear. And when it broke, it clouded up and it fogged. And my mother told me that when things break and they're in pain, they do not use their judgment in the way they should. They think about how they must escape from the now, not how it will impact the future. So from then on, I always knew that even if a decision might cause pain, even if it was a sacrifice, it was always for the better of the world. One day, my best friend, she was a fae, a fairy, and she fell all the way down off the mountain, no one knows why or how, and she fell into the forest. Now, you know this forest, the one of illusions, and her being fae meant her mind was stronger than, than an elven mind, so she wasn't affected. But when I ran down after her to save her, I, I ran down and I knew it was a bad idea, and I thought this was the moment my mother wanted me to do, the one where I would sacrifice myself to save my friend, but that's not what happened. So we were in the forest, and I was down there, and... I was there and time seemed to slow, it seemed to stop. I was frozen and then burning hot, but that's not real. That was an illusion as well. And one day I found my friend. She was there the whole time it seemed, but she was probably hidden from me. 
and I told her we must go back to the mountain. We were standing at the foot of the mountain, or so it seemed. And then that night, or maybe it was day, we went to sleep, and when we woke up, the mountain was gone. It must have been an illusion. So we began to walk, searching, but slowly the illusions etching away at my mind, they were cracking like the hazy, the now hazy gem on my neck. And it was making me think strange. And all of a sudden, my skin felt like it was cracking and blood like tar was pouring out. It was terrible. I felt my bones just vanish and then turn into glass. They were chipping away at my skin and I didn't know where to go. I was screaming for help, but my friend was gone. When she was standing next to me the entire time. And I don't think anyone understands what it's like to think that you've been abandoned when really your friend is right there the whole time. And and she didn't know what to do. And then she remembered the time I told her about the gem that I had broken and how my mother, she sewed it back together. She sewed the cracks where the illusion stepped in with fairy fire. And my friend, being a fairy, used her fire and she burst into flames and I, I was lit a flame, but fairy fire doesn't hurt elves. So, well, this, this type does, doesn't. And it mended the cracks in my mind and the illusions left. And I woke up the next day, or maybe it was in a year, and my friend was gone. And she wasn't coming back. And so that day I was walking, trying to find her. And I looked in this pool, and behind me I could see in this fog this this figure pointing the way now to home called Grimswater. And that's why I was there. And then now I'm here. Me it's too, Keith. Real sad, real quickly. Well, I'm gonna make it better. Time for my backstory. Oh, oh so here we go. Not again. I don't want to know. Any more about this stupid thing you call a cult? I guess I can listen. Oh, my bad. My name is Nara Zabara, and I grew up in a small town west of Grimwater. Spent most of my life in a village with my mom, dad, and little brother Jeffrey. The town I lived in grew crops, and we traded money the nearby village Grimwater. But one tragic day, the town's crops failed, and a harsh winter came through before we had time to plant, replant. Then, <sighs> through the light, I saw them. Oh, the cheese gods in oh, all of oh their God. glory. Oh. The cheese gods in all of their glory came down to bestow gifts upon our land. Oh, one mighty sweep of their hands. The failed crops turned to cheese, saving the village from starvation. Now I looked up at I looked up at the cheese gods <laughs> with wonder in my eyes, and they bestowed their mighty knowledge upon me. They said, "Everything is food. Find the grilled cheese tree, and then it bestows fruit upon you. The cheese rapture is coming. I will bestow the gift of rocks to cheese to help your divine cause. Spread the word, child." Though I was only 80 years old, which is young for an elf, I pledged my allegiance and started to carry out the holy guacamole mission. It she was a beautiful good. day. Oh, Ever since, I have spread the word, convo- converting people to my divine cause. <coughs> <Cult>. <coughs> 
Oh. Her mission is now to find the holy cheese tree and gather foodies among the way. I traveled to Gimwater, became a cook, and my master meal has been grilled cheese ever since. Did you get grilled cheese? That was cheese sounds good. No, oh, I've only heard the speech like 10 million and one times. And I'm a cleric, by the way. Cleric. Really? The food gods. Really? We didn't know. <laughs> Since these interviews were recorded, the Lake Washington Girls Middle School D&D craze has exploded. They're now 41 girls strong between the club and school class, which is just over one third of the entire student body. The girls themselves are dungeon masters. There are 12 of them, and they DM in pairs to support each other and cover for sick days and absences. Here's a peek at one of the earlier sessions of the club when Mr. E, Ethan, was behind the Dungeon Master screen. We are rolling, and we're also rolling. Ha 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 And rocking. We're rocking and rolling. Did you just waste the natural 20? Guys, can I have a question? Did you waste a natural 20? Like, there's a limited number of natural 20s in this die. Can I ask a question for you? During During normal thing, can I just be shouting 20? Like I got a twenty. I love doing that. Okay. Are you ready? Get a, well, when you get a three year. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, when last we left our party, we were in a cave. The Where cave had the night before had been a, uh, a cozy little home for an elderly gentleman who turned out to be one of the food gods, and he gave you a uh, wonderful stew. You all felt a little invigorated after the stew, and that is sort of represented by the fact that we all have new character sheets, and perhaps even some new clarity into our characters. I'm never invigorated. And Araya is sort of um, more in touch with her personality now, which apparently is kind of, um, if you were- Annoying! If you were a dwarven, a dwarven goth, then, you know, right. just imagine just like those black yeah, bangs right, and well, like the dark eyeliner and the MCR sweatshirt like yeah, on me. So maybe not, I'm maybe not a MCR sweatshirt. Maybe dark. like a, a chainmail, you know, <gasps> kind of sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Twenty One Pilot sweatshirt. I love right. Twenty One Pilot. Wine stain. Wine stain too. She's a pro. Uh, so, what are you? So you do you remember that you're near uh, the village of Tall Pine? Mm, right? Yes. And Mary, Mary ran back down the mountain. It's a village. Town, a, a village, a small town. Oh, it's nearby. In fact, if you stand outside of the cave, you can see smoke coming uh, from the town in the distance. Smoke. It's not, fire. No, it's not. But it's not like um, it's not like smoke. Like the whole town is on fire. Ugh. It is smoke. How like boring, mystery. I know. No, no destruction. Just, Boo. just commerce like and cooking. So. Cooking. Cooking and commerce. Okay, they better be cooking them grilled cheese sandwiches. Wait, oh. did you say commerce or converse? Well, oh, everybody. <laughs> oh, first Whatever of all, I said, I said yeah, converse. Converse. is anyone hungry right now? Uh, I am, actually. I'm so, Nar, uh, you propose having a spell, right? To create grilled cheese. We so we have to figure out how that will work. Look on your Twitter page; they tell you everything. Oh, there's. <laughs> I've seen that thread. Oh, oh, oh! I saw so one. Funny. I saw one. They said, "Oof." So I'm going to say right now that you Oof. can definitely cast it once per day. Mm-hmm. You can turn rocks into grilled cheese. Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to provide you a table of some sort, which will roll for results. Mm-hmm. And so some of the results will be bad. 
Like poisonous uh, or like no. burnt? Some, no, like no. Burnt? Sometimes it'll not be grilled. It'll be grilled cheese, but it'll be like grilled cheese animal? with the stinkiest cheese in the world. Or like, what if it's? What if it like could be like a like a animal related to grilled cheese? And a live grilled like cheese. Like what? I love it. A snapping. Oh, okay. It could appear to say in the middle. A salty grilled it could cheese. Salty grilled cheese. In the, in the can mystery, can I ask you a question? Like, oh, like a grilled, grilled cheese that like salty. kind of like bites you or like. Excuse me. Mystery, mystery, mystery. Yes. Yeah. So, um, when I invite people into my cult, I do a sacred grilled <gasps> yes. cheese, and then I purify the grilled cheese so it's a super a pure grilled cheese. And then each person who, um, who um, joins my cult gets a bite of that grilled cheese for each town I go to we had the whole to prepare their thing. So, my question is, can there always be a special sacred grilled cheese prepared for people who are going to join my cult? Oh, you so never know when someone's going to be like, no, it, I've heard so much about you. You're like so amazing and great. We love you so much. Welcome to the cult. Is it going to be some sort of like nasty grilled cheese you have in your pocket? I'm totally fine with that. No. Yes, and you please. And you're going to be like, no, no, really, this is the sacred grilled cheese. You're We're doing the purest. That looks like an old grilled cheese you've had in your pocket for a No. <laughs> please, like, it'd be so funny. But it's really special. Okay. It'd be so no, funny. Mystery, Girls, mystery. Let's find out what everybody else wants to do because I love the cult and I may join the cult myself. Who knows? Um, I want to advise. I know. It's stays true to her boat roots. Crazy, right? I want to explore, like, I want to leave the cave. Okay. We've done everything we can and I want oh to, like, just teleport to Tallpine and, like, buy stuff. So there, let me explain. When we play D&D, there's two ways that you can kind of travel to the wilderness. One way would be that I kind of measure out how far it is and then, like, every mile or whatever I have to roll dice and see if there's a random encounter. Yeah. I find that kind of boring, to be honest, because it can, it can be okay or fun um, if there's, if it, it feels like it's part of the story. But we kind of just want to get to the town right now. Yeah. Right? And see what's there. So I'm going to say that you descend the mountain. Okay. Wait, you follow. Wait, you I follow. Just a second. Just a second. I'm going to say that you descend the path that Mary took. Okay. So in fact, you saw where Mary went. And you follow the path down the mountain. And you use your tracking skills to essentially determine where Mary went. So you're able to really quickly travel through the forest along what is essentially the safest Perception. and fastest path. That's correct. So uh, you arrive in the village of, Temp of Tall Pine. And Tall Pine, unsurprisingly, has a gigantic, not only a tall, but just this gigantic tree. Like, you, there's- what color Are the people there tall? Tree? Like, all of you standing <laughs> around the tree. Yeah, all of you standing around the tree together and holding hands would not be able to wrap all the way around this tree. I think the tree This is like is one like, of the biggest uh, trees. He has short arms. I have a question. Maybe What's a mastiff? A mastiff is a type of dog. I Very want a dog. Oh. Mastiffs are my spirit Ooh, animals. I could buy one. I could buy one. Okay, I look on the ground and see if there are any rocks. Ooh. Unsurprisingly, there are rocks all over the ground because the ground is made out of rock. I got some rocks. I got here. here I grab exactly 13 rocks. Exactly 13 rocks nice. are grabbed. You may record that you have My horse, my mom put me on a horse and sent me away. You have a horse well, now? I have a horse now. Um, <laughs> you, you may have had a horse in Grim... Maybe your horse is still in Grimwater and you're going to have to go back and get it. Oh. What's your horse's name? In that case, I want Millie. a friggin' Pegasus. Yes. No, I don't know. I'm really okay, so, um, so like, what, what, what do we add to this? All right, so. Okay, do you, would you like to hear a little bit about what is in Tall Pine? Yeah. Yes. yes. And if yes. there's tall people, no. 
We're if running there's stepping stools. If there's tall people, I'll hold you up. So thank you. Here, maybe tall Joe Pine. Yeah. You look around Tall Pine, Here. and the first thing that you notice maybe. is everybody in Tall Pine yeah. is unbelievably yeah. short. <laughs> they are all halflings. Fine. So almost oh all God. of the there are a couple of humans here and there, oh. and Mary, Mary ah, is one of boo. them. But almost all of the residents of Tall Pine are the some of the shortest halflings. I come even from shorter, Tall Pine. even shorter than you, P three. Short some of the shortest halflings you've ever seen. And they're <laughs> bustling, they're bustling around, sort of doing their daily business. You can see that there's there's some sort of a bakery, and these homes that they make are really like the most charming, tiny little houses. Um, oh scattered God. throughout this little village. And there's a little Keith bakery, like, and you can smell what you you sniff. And not Half only do you smell like this intense piney smell that comes out of this amazingly giant tree, you smell baking bread. No cheese. You smell baking bread, you smell some frying, maybe some bacon or something. You s and it just, wow, you, you're smelling breakfast is what you're smelling. Oh. And... Smelling other short people. Right. So, and smelling other short people, that's right, Keithree. So, so, what would you, so you, you see that there's a variety of small shops in the village. Um, there seems to be sort of a general store. There although must be a it, store It's shop. not necessarily open right now, the general store. Like, there's somebody doing some, some work, but the door is closed. There looks like there's some maybe some places that you might find some food. Can I try to talk halfway and to them? rumors. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, we know if they only talk halfway. They most likely speak both common and halfway. I don't speak halfway. I'm, I'm, I'm go to an area where there are lots of doors, oh and I say, God. gather round, gather round. I just share with okay. you a story. Roll, roll me a persuasion check. Oh, trinket. Do you know how to do that? Look at your what's your persuasion yeah, uh, skill check. I've decided that Kikri is coming from Tall Pine. Plus zero. Plus zero. Is Tall Pine by water? You need to wait. You need to roll a 15 or better to gather anybody uh, in a crowd to listen to. What? Yeah, these guys are, they're really busy. They're like running around. The so, Nar, you are standing there. And I think it could be because you are so tall compared yeah, to these people folks don't want to hurt that their your backs. words sort of just go right over their heads. And they're bustling around. There's like, there's like one little guy, you see him? I'm and he's got like this... Big belly and a little vest, oh. and he's running around with his little wheelbarrow, like, and you know he's doing his work, and oh he's like looking at you, like, what Everybody, are you doing, we're not giant? Gonna ever leave. And and yeah, he just kind giant. of runs past you. Okay. Hello. I can, I'll let you Catholic. do it again. I want to buy a record. Is there any place to <gasps> buy a step stool? What page in half? Uh, uh, step stool in half. Oh, you'd like to buy a step stool? Yes. Yeah. Like those come with character. Uh, you know, unsurprisingly, there is a whole shop that sells almost nothing but stools and ladders. Oh my gosh, my tree! Can we give you the best one? I will spend. And I will we need spend a friggin' twenty nine so gold pieces on a step stool. You for go the over. Tree. You go over to this little shop, and you can see a sign up front. What? And the sign says, sure? "The Helping Hand." Um, oh my gosh. Uh, just yeah. use 29 gold pieces. What if you can't reach yes, the helping rich. hand? How'd you you know what? What is your place? I let everybody in like, the like, Wait, help what? again. What if yes, you can't did you not get any gold? No. Yeah, Here. Half. Roll a d30. Ale. Accept the results. <laughs> is ale free? Hmm? Is ale free? Is ale free? Ale is not, not free. free. Nothing is free in this life. Okay, I so I'll tell you what. No, no, I'll tell you what. I'm going to just automatically assign all of you 30 gold pieces. Okay. But. Wait, I can spell. I can buy. I also, because you have thirty gold pieces, we could be robbed. Prices will match what the amount of money you have. Wait, oh, we can okay. buy horses. No, I mean that we're gonna do regular D and D prices then. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Yeah, so like these. these. Okay, okay. So I breakfast, have to go into that breakfast store. will be 15 gold pieces. Whoa! Thank you. Wait, I have an idea. No, we need to go into the store. Wait, are there any taverns nearby? Because I want to go in and just like slide there under. There is, one of- yes, and right next to the helping hand. Ooh, which I I- oh, oh my god, you're going to try the tavern. That's a good, good face. There's, I go into the tavern. There's a tavern, and it's called the Roly Poly Friendly Pig. Okay. Oh! Yeah, and it's got a it's got a little picture of a sign of a pig rolling over. Okay, I so I duck as I go in the door to not slay in my head, like yeah. on Good like job. the top of the building, and like I look, and then I like I um walk in and kind of like kind of hunched over, and then like put my face and like hold like a like a uh, barrel yeah. of ale, That's what and then mean. I just like let some drain in my mouth, put it back, climb out. That's so, what we're doing. Okay, so you go in and <laughs> you see that there's the little barrels of I guess. Let's let's say it's um, cider apple uh, apple cider, uh, and it, uh, they love apple cider in this place. In fact, these happenings so yeah, these happenings will pay, they will pay a fair amount of coin for good apple cider because they don't make it; they have to import it. Never mind. So this is imported apple cider, and you take a good long. Well, you, you kind of lift up this little, and the halfling behind the bar just kind of looks at you like, what, what? And just is, you can hear him all of a sudden. He's like, wait, I just said, wait, wait, what do you mean? Oh, miss, miss, I, I, I take a gold piece out of my pocket and slam it down on the table and leave. Oh, and he looks at it and he was like, whoa, that's you know not a bad, not a bad bit of coin for a bit of cider. And come again, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure, but Mr. maybe. Yeah. Can we can get mad sticks and ponies. Go into the hat. So, so you, we can get your horses, guys. Uh, Pony. Slate is sated now. No, I need to get a slate, stool so badly. Can I please go to the helping hand? Yes. Okay. So you go to the helping hand, Why? and you see this is like your your dream come true. There are stools. There are stools on stools. There are ladders on stools. Ladders next to stools. Ladders under stools. There are stepping stools. There are bar stools. Every type of stool you is can there imagine. There is a clerk. There is. There is a, a tiny, tiny clerk behind oh, the counter. On a stool. And in halfling, he sees you and he says, Well, welcome, welcome to the helping hand. What can I do for you? Would you like any of our fine selection of handcrafted stools, step stools, ladders? I we even have a variety of sticks, should you want them. I need the most adorable step stool you have. Oh, me. well, come right this way. We have, look at these wonderful <laughs> stools. These are handcrafted and painted right here in Whole Pine. Small and hands make great step stools. Indeed they do. I've said this myself many times. And here we have a lovely step stool. Now, this is what we call our travel model. And Ooh, as you can good. see, it has two straps on it, so you can wear it on your back if you wish to. <laughs> I personally, I, I want to go to town wearing one of these. Oh my gosh, that's so smart. How much is it? Uh, it's it's only two gold pieces. You can get seven. You can stack them all on top of each other and make oh the leading No, I don't need two. Three. I'm like a tall-ish halfling. No, no you're, you're tiny. Acid. No, you're I, tiny. You're said. a sandwich. The small people should never be without a step stool. That is true. That Isn't is it true. though? That's my new this motto. world is just not made for the likes of you and That's I, but small. with one of these stools, everything becomes accessible. Okay, well, I'll get sure. one of those handy exactly dandy travel stools. What else can you show me, Clark? Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, we have a variety of chairs, uh, we have some small tables. Um, of, of course, your stool could be used as a small table in a pinch. Uh, it's kind of, it's very versatile. 
So uh, you just let me know what you're interested in. Uh, and uh, if you're feeling peckish, it's quite early in the morning, I realize. There's a tavern just next door. They have amazing apple cider. Ooh, I like apple cider. Fact, I think your friend outside has some dripping down out of her mouth right now. Some well, cider. I'm going to have to go. So here's two I assume you're just like, it's just like kind of like all over your own. <laughs> and I'm just like sitting on the ground like, oh, it's <laughs> I enter the tavern, fire in my eyes. Wait, I never paid Okay. Fire in your eyes. You need to and this, this guy behind the Wait, counter, he's I, like, what kind of, what has happened to our town? <laughs> and he looks at you, he's like, hello, miss. Are, are you here for the side too? Wait, I slam, <laughs> I slam my backpack. He kind of lifts the barrel down. And he, would you, would you like a tankard or a cup or something? Or are you just going to drink from the barrel? I put my backpack down. I stand on the table and actually and I say, I have a story for you a people. Story. Oh, I am stories. here to enlighten you about the magic, magic of the food gods. Oh, the food gods. Oh, right. I, I, yes, we know the food gods very well here. Yes, we're very big fans of the food gods. You could say, big fans oh of food, really. Eighteen. <laughs> tell me more. Tell. Do tell me more. Miss. Can I stand on the table? Can I stand on the table? You, you had me at food. Before the cheese gods, they were suffering. Death and starvation surrounded the lands. Rocks and barren fields were all anyone had. Then one day, the food gods blessed us with the power of food, cheese, and pastries. Oh, this sounds glorious. I myself have seen the miracles bestowed by the food gods. Bestowed by the great grilled cheeses. And bringing it for later. These generous gods took in my village in when we were most in need and helped us find our true path. Oh, it sounds wonderful. If you join us, you will see the light. The light that fills us with joy. The light that connects all the unpasteurized cheeseverse. What, is this like Join me, and together we will rise up during the cheese rapture and find the true meaning of life. It sounds wonderful. It sounds wonderful. Eat this cheesy food and find the gate within it. Are you selling subscriptions? Who's with me? Yes, sure. How do I sign up? Joining, what do I get? You would be joining the food cult. Food cult. Oh, well. Sorry. Cult. The, the oh. divine mission. A divine mission. Oh, that's a cult. Sounds a little scary, yes, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. But no. divine mission. I'm all for. And you know we have a variety of food here, so I feel like I just right into that whole business. I will show okay. you. They have bestowed a gift upon yeah. me from rocks to grilled cheese. Oh, very good, very good. I will Ooh, show you this magic, you know, I might just and you will join me right. for the rest of time. Okay, so you've convinced this um, little, little guy. Wait, what about other people? Well, there's only one guy in this place right what? now. What? Yeah, it, he's just getting started for the morning. Girls, I think we're gonna have to wrap up because it's five thirty. Oh. I, I know what I want to buy. I want to buy stuff. Everybody say goodbye to the pot, the recording. I want to buy stuff. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Dr. Megan, Sammy, Birdie, Kurt, Mr. E, and all the amazing students of the Lake Washington Girls Middle School for sharing your stories with Behold Her. You are inspirations. We'll be back in April chatting about witch culture and gaming. Why is the witch archetype so popular? What does it mean? And what games celebrate it? You like you like playing it, and you like uh, you like doing the show. Um, but what's that? Butt cheeks. Butt cheeks? <laughs>
I didn't even ask a question. 